the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, February the 10th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On February 10, 1962, the Soviet Union exchange uh, captured American U-2 pilot Francis Gary Powers for Rudolf Abel, Soviet spy held by the United States. Today in 1763, Britain, Spain, and France signed the Treaty of Paris that ended the Seven Years' War. We knew it here in North America as the French and Indian War. Today in 1936, Nazi Germany's Reichstag passed a law investing the Gestapo secret police with absolute authority, exempt from any legal review. Kind of like the Biden administration here in America. Today in 1967, the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution dealing with presidential disability and succession was ratified as Minnesota and Nevada adopted it. Should the president become incapable of doing his job, the 25th Amendment gives us the, um, the directive as to how to deal with that. Today, 1992, Roots author Alex Haley died in Seattle. He was 70 years old. Today, in 2005, North Korea boosted, boasted publicly for the first time that it had possessed nuclear weapons. Today, in 2015, NBC announced it was suspending Brian Williams as nightly news anchor and managing editor for six months without pay for misleading the public about his experience covering the Iraq war. That opens a point that I've got to comment on. Brian Williams had been lying to the public on NBC for a long time. He was their number one guy, their, you know, five o'clock news guy and on NBC network. And he had been lying and embellishing stories for quite some time. And he was finally what brought this to uh, a head was the fact that he was on there explaining on NBC News how that when he was in Iraq, he uh, he was being flown in so he could cover the news, you know, firsthand eyewitness. He was being flown into this certain area. I can't remember what area it was of Iraq, but anyway, it was Iraq. And he, he t- talked about how the helicopter was under fire and there were bullets flying and he was creating this whole uh, storyline uh, that simply wasn't true. So the pilot of the helicopter became aware of it. I either heard it on the news or he someone told him about it and he checked it out. But anyway, he went to the press. He said, hey, I was flying the helicopter <laughs> that... Brian Williams was in, and he said, we were never under fire. He said, I wouldn't have taken a civilian into that kind of a situation. There were no shots fired. We were not under fire. He said, we landed. He did his report, and we left. And that became such an embarrassment to NBC. And that, of course, keep in mind, this was back in 2015. 
became such an embarrassment that they cut his salary for six months and took him off the air. They ended up putting him on MSNBC, their cable news channel. I don't know if he's still there or not, to be honest with you. I pay attention to what they're saying, but I don't pay a lot of attention to the personalities that are on there. But he has been on there for quite some time. It occurred to me when they did that, and this, this I, I believe, is a point that's consistent with what we talk about on this program. It occurred to me when they did that, do they, for lying, if a person lies on the news, on the network news to America, NBC, then the the penalty for that is to put you on, on a lesser outlet so your lying will not affect as many people. I mean, is that what NBC was saying? I think it is. They weren't saying that he shouldn't be on the air because he's a pathological liar, and he was. But they're saying, well, we'll put him over here, and then he won't be lying to as many people, and that'll be his penalty. The news media is so corrupt in America. The intention of news and free press is excellent. I mean, if you don't have free press, you have Hitler and his Nazis. But you also, in America, when you have free press, they have the pretense of pretending that they're giving you the straight news when, in fact, they're not. They craft the words. They do <laughs> they, they do what they do very well. They craft words, and they lead you to believe without actually lying. They lead you to believe a lie or to be deceived and to think something that simply isn't true. And every day in the news, this happens. It's interesting. Associated Press put out a story this morning, um, and here's the story. You probably haven't heard of her before. And I, this program is not on except where people are listening on their iPhone or on their computer, but it's not it's not on uh, in in her area uh, in Western Michigan. But Hillary uh, uh, Shulton, she's among the Democrats who had a surprisingly good election night in back in November in the midterms. She became the first Democrat, this Associated Press, follow me closely, Associated Press. She became the first Democrat in nearly half a century to win her Western Michigan Congressional District, bucking expectations about her party's prospects and helping limit the Republican majority in the U.S. House to just four seats. As President Joe Biden prepares for a coming re-election bid, Victories like this have bolstered him and his supporters who believe voters rewarded his steady leadership during a period of economic and political turmoil. They are in that line, Associated Press this morning, and this happens day in and day out by Associated Press and others. But they are establishing the fact that President Biden's leadership is steady. So that's not in question. And the, they're speculating on how much impact his steady leadership is having on this economic and political turmoil. And they're concluding that it, it's having a great deal of positive impact. But wait a minute. Who says his leadership is steady? Associated Press. 
and they don't want you to discuss it or thinking about it. Think about it. That's why they bury it in the first part of the sentence that leads you to the thing you might say, well, you know, it was a, 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 a period of economic and political turmoil. And it is seems to be, you know, they just they lead you by establishing things that aren't true as true and incidental. And they make the greater point of something else that you might think about. And it deflects your thinking from the real issue. In this case, is his leadership steady? I don't think so. He can hardly communicate. um, AP continued, they said, but Schulten, who declined in an interview to outright endorse Biden for re-election, suggested that while the president has accomplished a tremendous amount, he wasn't the reason for her victory. (laughs) Then they go on to undergird that She won, she insisted, by appealing to voters as someone focused on putting the people in her own district first over national politics. Then they go on, and and then later in the article, AP says, roughly one in six voters for Democrat House candidates said they disapproved of Biden's job performance, according to to uh, an Associated Press vote cast, an extensive nationwide survey of the electorate. It, It was... Hardly that. It was 500 and some people. But nonetheless, it was their their survey. Two-thirds of these voters said Biden was not a factor, good or bad, in the midterm decisions. And then here's the takeaway in this story. If you sit down and read it without any um, other outside influence, the find, Associated Press says the findings are a warning sign for both parties at the outset of the 2024 presidential campaign. For Republicans, a constant stream of attacks on Biden may have little effect on voters who will accept him over GOP contenders seen as too extreme. Here they are concluding that, well, maybe maybe both parties have a problem here with that. They don't even know who's running with the Republican Party. Who will be the nominee? But there's already saying there's going to be... Uh, an issue here that'll be equally distributed between Joe Biden and whomever X Y Z, and and that'll probably have little. Joe Biden will have little effect on the voters, meaning when the Republicans point out his failures, and there are many, they'll say, well, they're saying there will be no effect on this. On the other hand, they're saying, and the GOP contenders will be seen as too extreme, and so therefore. Uh, don't pay attention to the presidents when you're voting locally. That's the message there. And this happens day in and day out. It never ends. It never stops. I found it interesting when Super Bowl, what is it, 52, I think it is, arrives on Sunday. Fox News, uh, the Fox channels, not the Fox News channel, but the Fox TV, you know, Q13 in Seattle and 12 in Portland and so on. When that um, when they run the Super Bowl on Sunday, they every year it's kind of a I don't know it's kind of a tradition I guess whatever network is airing the Super Bowl that particular year they ask the president whether they agree with him or not they ask the president to come on and do a little interview at halftime and and they do a thing I mean there's millions and millions of people watching that thing all over the world and so it, it's a it's a pretty good uh, thing for the president normally. And it's it. I suppose it's good for the network that's running the Super Bowl that that particular year. Well, anyway, uh, they invited President Biden as 
they always do, whichever network, every year at the Super Bowl, they come on and do the deal, and he won't respond <laughs> unless he hasn't just the last hour or so. I've been kind of following this because I thought it was interesting, but his people won't say yes or no, and they've been kind of hanging Fox out there um, for the last several days, and they asked him last this last week one day, and so he hasn't responded yet, so I don't know if he's going to be on there or not, but I found that very interesting. I, I can't think of a reason why a politician wouldn't want that kind of an audience to say whatever. And they told him, they said, you, you know, whatever you want to talk about is fine. Uh, we'll give you the time and we'll interview you and, and so on. So anyway, that's what's happening. If you don't like football, you may be interested in the fact that the president doesn't think it's worthy of his appearance, apparently. Or maybe he's afraid to appear there. I don't know. But whatever. Tuesday's State of the Union address has gotten a lot of attention. But it's mostly for the way in which some Republican members reacted to President Joe Biden's lies. But among the chatter, it's worth wondering if people tuned in for the address. Did people pay attention to this this last Tuesday night? Not really. But everyone has an opinion. An opinion that was apparently formed by someone else or some other source. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. We just looked at an example of that with Associated Press. Someone would read that without a critical mind. I mean, not critically looking at it, just taking it on face value. And and then they could go to a friend at church or at the grocery store or whatever. They could say, wow, did you know that, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And the press counts on that, and that's their way of influencing the, the culture and the American people without actually being blatant about it, although some are blatant about it. But the, the mainstream press, they go to work every day to advance a progressive agenda, that of Hillary Clinton, that of Joe Biden, that of whomever on the left. And yet they've learned to be very crafty with their words, and this is what Apparently, what has happened with this last State of the Union address, because as it turned out, it sounds like a lot of people, but it isn't. It's pathetically low, the number of people. Given that just 27.3 million people watched President Joe Biden double down on his most secular, destructive, so-called progressive ideologies in American history. Most Americans have drawn their opinion of the President's State of the Union address from something or someone other than their own observation. They're not properly informed. Someone else is informing them. Associated Press, whatever, ABC, NBC, CBS. According to data from Nielsen, and Nielsen is the company that measures the TV, whether they're you know, right or wrong, they are kind of the gold standard. TV stations base their their um, cost, what they charge for commercials, based on the number of people watching. And the number of people watching is established primarily by Nielsen. They are the kind of the, the book for television. So according to data from Nielsen across 16 networks, and they, they check these 16 networks uh, every year since these networks have been in existence. Only 27.3 across all 16 networks, only 27.3 million people bothered to watch. 
That figure is the lowest audience for a State of the Union address in at least 30 years, according to Nielsen. Biden's 2021 speech to a joint session of Congress drew 26.9 million, but that event, coming just a couple of months into his presidency, was not an official State of the Union speech. Last year, 38.2 million watched across these same 16 networks. That's a decline of 29%. Fox News topped the coverage with uh, an average of 4.69 million viewers. They followed by ABC at 4.4 and NBC at 3.8 million viewers. CBS at 3.64. MSNBC 3.6. CNN had 2.4. So on and Fox Broadcasting, that's again the stations, not the broadcasting uh, channel. They had 1.6. Six six million, but you add up all of the sixteen sources, and it was a disaster. The Hill, which is not a conservative uh, news organization, they said in their headline that the ratings took a nosedive. They also said this quote: "The number of total viewers is down significantly from the thirty-eight million who watched Biden's speech last year, and is almost half the forty-five point six million who watched former President Trump's first address." In 2018, in fact, Nielsen published the ratings on President Trump. In 2017, 48 million watched him. In 2018, 45.6 million watched his State of the Union. In 2019, 46.8 million. And in 2020, 37.2 million. Biden had, in 2022, had 38 million. And in 2023, just this past week, had 27.3 million, the lowest audience, as I said, in 30 years, according to Nielsen. And then there was this. Biden is at 38% very positive average, while President Barack Obama had a 50% average in that same very positive category at the same time in their presidency. President George W. Bush had a 53% average. Presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump had a 54% average, very positive. Trump and Biden were virtually tied in having the highest average of those Americans who said they had a very negative view. In other words, we have become much more polarized. You knew that, and I know it. I think most people who are paying attention know that. What does all of this mean, though? I mean, what does this mean in America? Certainly it means that the general public wasn't nearly as interested and what the president had to say as they have been in previous presidents, in previous years. That will not be said in the news media because it gives the wrong message, but it gives the right message. That's the only message that it really gives. People simply have become either disassociated or they don't care what President Biden has to say. I thought about that as I thought about today's program, and I wanted to talk a little bit about this as we're doing. And I thought about why, I wonder why people feel the way they do. Some reasons are obvious, some perhaps not so obvious. People may be more interested in being informed by someone else. Maybe they don't want to listen. Maybe they don't want to read for themselves. Maybe they're more interested in being informed by someone else other than their own experience. People Sometimes you're lazy today in our culture. Maybe people who disagree with the president's worldview feel helpless. What can I do about it? I've heard that so many times. 
what can I do? I'm only one man or I'm only one woman. What can I do? It's overwhelming sometimes the way these people go. I mean, marching forward with the most destructive ideology, the most anti-God and anti-biblical ideology that America has ever seen. We've seen it with Dewey and others as they inter, uh, kind of interjected secularism into our society through through education in particular. But we've not seen it in the White House like this before. Never. I mean, even Bill Clinton had a sense of history and a sense of what America has stood for and what has brought us to that place in history that he was president. But today, it's not that way. In fact, the people that are opposed to Biden are the people that are further, way further to the left than Biden, if you can imagine. Sometimes you can just feel helpless on every front. I mean, everything that is good and decent and pure and virtuous is attacked. Whether it's marriage, the sanctity of life, whatever it is. So I can see why some would say, man, what can I do about it? There's nothing I can do. Maybe people just feel that the culture is so bad that it's hopeless. No one can turn it around. It's gone too far. I hear that a lot. I don't think we can ever turn America around. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And sometimes people quote biblical prophetic verses, prophecy verses, to support that. Well, things are deteriorating and they're going to get worse. Jesus himself said that. You can read it in the New Testament. He said things will get worse as we near the end of time, certainly. But I can't find any scripture that tells me that I should back off and say, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I think we're called to be faithful and to be informed. God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, scripture tells us. We've got to be informed. People feel it doesn't matter what our leaders say because they lie. They do. That's true. And you can't count on what they say. They tell you one thing when they're running for office. They go to Olympia or Salem or whatever, Boise or wherever, or to Washington, D.C., and they do something very different than what they told you at the rally where you wrote them a check and voted for them. They do. Not all, but too many of them do. People feel their vote doesn't count due to corruption in the election process. I understand that. In fact, you are treated as a leper if you even suggest there could have been corruption in the voting of any election, particularly the last one. Personally, I have a, I have a real hard time believing that 83 million Americans voted for Joe Biden. I just don't believe that. I, I can't believe it. And many other people probably agree with me on that. But people feel their vote doesn't count because of corruption. We don't know how much corruption there is. We're told repeatedly, almost to a drumbeat, like a marching band by the media, that anyone who even questions the integrity of voting is not even a a patriot. You're not even a good citizen. You're a bad person. Away with you. That happens daily. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about a president who was in office at a time very much like the times in which we live today. Abraham Lincoln. Historian John Meacham wrote a cover. He, he's written a number of books on history, U.S. history in particular. He's a good writer. I don't think he's a conservative necessarily, but he's a good writer. But he wrote an article for Time magazine on October 12, 2022. It was titled, Lincoln Saved American Democracy. We can too. He put the moment in historical perspective. At noon on Monday, he wrote, March 4, 1861, a day that observers noted had dawned cloudy and raw but turned bright and warm. Abraham Lincoln emerged from the 14th Street northwest door of Willard's Hotel, accompanied by President James Buchanan. The two men rode together in an open carriage up Pennsylvania Avenue bound for the covered platform that had been erected on the east front for the presidential inauguration. He wrote about how double files of cavalrymen escorted the procession to the Capitol because they were afraid the sharpshooters might try to take out the incoming president, Abraham Lincoln. In fact, the orders were that to, uh, to watch the windows on the opposite side of, our, of the official sharpshooters and to fire upon them in case any attempt should be made to fire from those windows on the presidential carriage. An hour later, hatless, adjusting his eyeglasses, Abraham Lincoln at his inaugural address in hand stood, gazed out across a large audience. The artillery was deployed around the area. And he said to them, why should there not be a a patient confidence in the ultimate justice of the people? Is there any better or equal hope in the world? In your hands, my dissatisfied fellow countrymen, and not in mine is the momentous issue of civil war. The government will not assail you. You can have no conflict without being yourselves the aggressors. You have no oath registered in heaven to destroy the government, while I shall have the most solemn one to preserve, protect, and defend it. Hated and hailed, excoriated and revered, Abraham Lincoln served as President of the United States Meacham says, in an existential hour. What can we learn from Abraham Lincoln? Lincoln kept the American experiment in self-government alive when everybody thought it was lost. Lincoln said in September 1862, he was speaking at a conference of the meditation on the divine will of God. It was a religious gathering. He said, the will of God prevails in great contests. Each party claims to act in accordance with the will of God. Both may be, and one must be, wrong. God is in control, is what he was saying. We must continue to see the current events and the culture through the eyes of God's word. Otherwise, we will be deceived, misinformed, and misled. And we will grow weary in well-doing. I think that was the message that Abraham Lincoln was giving this nation as he approached and became president of the United States. We do not have that kind of leadership today. We don't have that kind of message from the White House, but it is within our hands, given all of the probabilities of corruption and all of that kind of thing, there still is that opportunity in America to change things for the glory of God. And I will tell you, it begins with Scripture, not with politics. 
If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, they will. then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.